What's up, party people? Happy Friday. We're coming to you live somewhere in 2020. We don't know where. We don't know where we're at. Today, we're going to take a little trip down memory lane since we're all lost. Invite one of my siblings on the show. I usually start the show with a message, but this week it's a question. Where does entrepreneurship come from? Where does the hustle come from? Is it within you? Is it something learned? Today, I'd like to welcome to the show my baby sister, Jacob Fox. Poor garage. Hey, poor garage. Uh, yeah, was you welcome for having uh, me to come to your show? Uh, I know this was a big opportunity for you to have me here. Um, so the pleasure was all yours. I've been watching oh. you show you something that I was watching your show before, and I was saw you had some guy was maybe Bobby Seeger. But I was looked that guy up on the MySpace. That's not the heel Bob Seeger. That's what <laughs> some guy with some chat shoes was not the one from the night move. So I want you to know that I know that you know that, that I know that. And I was saw you have some guy with some Marco last week, Mark, Marketplace, just tried to sell some helmets so you're not trucking like the Diaz brothers. Um, but maybe that guy was like 230, 240, so I'm going to not talk about that one. He got a real deep voice. So without further ado, you can you can ask you a question about some ultra, uh, ultra Pinot Noirs. Uh, was a tough word. It was... Uh, kept me up last night <laughs> last night so uh my my baby sister was adopted from brazil and uh at a, <laughs> at a certain point um got a got a sex change fortunately uh identity crisis um but that's where my love of jujitsu came from because we went to brazil and you know she would she got picked on a lot uh as a little girl and uh had to had to learn to defend a defender so uh but but now uh that that guy was uh that guy's was fixed that stuffs. <laughs> it was that tough life? You're growing up on the favelas of Brazil. <laughs> Yo, I would love to send this to Henzo and just have him kick both of our asses for this. But I, he'd be like, "That's the worst bullshit <laughs> uh, Portuguese accent I've ever heard in my life. Never do it again." It's not bad. You're better than me. You're better than me. So he's probably uh, like, "Yeah, you were on my radar, Jeremiah. I was gonna, I was gonna come on your show, but I was gonna have you on the show, that. but you fucked it up." Yeah. So yeah. Just a word to everybody. This one's gonna be this one's gonna be a ringer. Just like we did with the with that guy, Bobby Seeger was saying at the beginning, uh Apple Podcasts, you might as well mark this one uh explicit. Yeah, maybe uh, next week you can have you some <laughs> fake uh Eric Clatchin on to do some fake wonderful tonight. <laughs> but it's not gonna be wonderful because that's not the heel clutch. <laughs> <laughs> so where are you at right now? I'm at mom's, dude. I'm at mom's condo in Norfolk. I'm I'm a traveling man. I'm, I'm you're in Norfolk, in Virginia. But where yeah. do you live right now? That, um, this, I, sorry, this is the first time I've actually talked to yeah, him in person. I've seen him in like two years. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm in the budding metropolis of Franklinton, North Carolina. Um, dude, I just bought a house out there. I can barely see my neighbors. All you hear at night is just cicadas and my woman complaining to me. And <laughs> just kidding, baby. Is, that's why he had to move out. <laughs> right. Where, what, uh, what city is that closest to? It's about 20 miles north of Raleigh. North of Raleigh. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. And and your most of your work is in in that area now. Yeah, I'm a um a sales manager. I've got basically Raleigh, Durham, Cary, down to Fayetteville, out as west as uh Greensboro area. So a couple hundred square mile uh territory. A couple hundred square mile. <laughs> yeah. Every in New York, everything is in square feet. <laughs> <laughs> right, square inches. Um and and prior to that, you were in Nashville. Is that right? So we're, we were all born in Nashville, but you were you were just a little you were just a little teeny baby girl when we when we brought you from Brazil. Yeah, when um, I was coming from Curitiba, I was <laughs> the first spot was some uh, Virginia Beach. Um, yeah, no, from there it was Kansas City, Kansas City to Nashville, Nashville to Raleigh, Raleigh to Durham, and then finally um, wrangled my my lady in, who's pinned me down in Franklinton. And and. Who were you with in Nashville? What what brought you there? I can't remember what you brought you back. Um, so I've been in the home security and automation industry for maybe eight years now, roughly. Um, started with ADT. They moved me out to be a corporate trainer in Kansas City at their headquarters. Um, and then I was kind of scooped up by one of their competitors, Vivint Smart Home, uh, who moved me to Nashville to be a district manager. I was overseeing Nashville, Knoxville, Asheville, North Carolina, and Huntsville, Alabama, which is actually like five times bigger than my current territory. Um, and then they've moved me to Raleigh 
And then I've been recruited yet again by um, one of the biggest, well, the biggest home security company in the Carolinas, um, CPI Security. Probably shouldn't okay. say their name while I'm on this podcast, given the dirty, filthy things are getting ready to come out of my mouth. Mm. I saw a post HR earlier. Trying to sweep that under the rug. Yeah, I saw this this post on Twitter. This guy was like, uh, "If a company's unhappy with whatever you post on social media and, and they judge you for that, maybe you should move to another company." We'll see. We'll see yeah. how it works out for you. <laughs> I'm just gonna um, start throwing some applications out there then. I know, right. <laughs> Let's call this his virtual resume. <laughs> yeah. Well, what you see is what you get. It doesn't get any more real than this. And in and in Nashville, you were uh, you were also running a distillery, right? I did. I ran the distillery kind of an interim between two programs um, with the Vivint folks. Yeah, that was a blast, man. It was about I don't know two months or so um, of just like seventy eight hour work weeks. I was a GM of a distillery on Third Avenue, right off Broadway. Um, that was a good time. Good times always is, and you were you were also a cop, and you also <laughs> were. <laughs> we won't talk about that. Um, and you were also uh, you also waited tables at a number of restaurants, correct? Yeah, service industry man. Um, what I other? Still- what other? I'm trying to remember what other because I he and I have not lived in the same city for 20 years, so I'm trying to remember like all your different sales positions. What else? Yeah, as a salesman, you wear a lot of hats, man. I'm duly licensed for homeowners insurance, um, life insurance, car insurance. Um, I've done a little bit of everything, financial services. Um, they call that being duly licensed. But yeah, I mean, you name it, I've I've sold. If you learn to sell, you can sell anything. Of course. Well, that's what we'll end up talking about. And you also uh, you also were uh, a wrestling and martial arts instructor, correct? Yeah, that's actually just bubble gum behind my ear there. <laughs> um, yeah, man, uh, lifelong uh, love affair with, with combat sports. Um, started with wrestling and then uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, of course. Um, I'm a purple belt there. Shout out Scotty Oates. Um, and then, yeah, MMA, a lot of Thai boxing, uh, boxing, some judo, some sambo. But you you don't need uh, some kill hook. That's not shushitsu. <laughs> oh yeah, right. Yeah, until, until you get your leg broke. I was gonna say, why don't you why don't you go train at Enzo's and see what they have to say about it? <laughs> right? Um, and you started uh, basically with wrestling, right? Yeah, that was your main thing, like uh, junior high, middle school wrestling. I, I basically like left at that point, um, and you uh, and it and it kind of escalated from there. Yeah, right? I um, the first martial arts school I went to, I kind of traded off um, teaching wrestling because if you don't wrestle in school, they don't have like adult wrestling classes at most of these martial arts schools. Right. So you kind of have to come up in it. Um, I traded that off for learning jujitsu, and then those guys are like, dude, you should get into fighting. And I'm like, it's. I never really saw it as fighting. It's kind of like still there's a scoreboard. Like I hit you once, that's one for me. You hit me once, it's not like I'm angry at the guy or whatever. You know, it's just an an escalation of wrestling. Except you can get your block knocked off, which you you have done a couple times. Where you go? Why the guys was leave yeah. the video? Well, uh, what, <laughs> they, it was not have technology in Brazil, Paul. <laughs> yeah, you know, my Wi-Fi was not working. I'm in my mom's basement, Paul. Um, what's it called? Uh, baseball was a big thing too. And did you do, you did some, uh, you did some bodybuilding. Did you ever do some personal training as well? Yeah, I got into it kind of like just to help out. I couldn't, you can't be like official without having all the licenses and stuff. You can't get hired by a gym. But yeah, I've worked with a lot of wrestlers on strength and conditioning. Um, when I was coaching wrestling at Cox High School in Virginia Beach, your, your alma mater, one of them. That's C-O-C-K-S, Cox yeah. High School. Where we did some wrestling. <laughs> just, just no eye contact. Love, love those singlets. <laughs> yeah, I bet you do. I heard that about you. I still wear them from time to time. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm sure Patty does too. She just likes it when I wear them. <laughs> um, you were saying... Uh, you did some personal training. I mean, you made a little scratch with that, right? Yeah, got into it a little bit. Um, most of it was just to help the guys get get stronger and get some kind of understanding of biomechanics and how the strength and conditioning will make you a better wrestler. Um, you know, it's like the old, uh, I think it was in the Tao of Jeet Kune Do, Bruce Lee's book. He says, if um, if weight class, or if size doesn't matter, why do we have weight classes? <laughs> so <laughs> look at the was early UFCs with the Hoisey Gracie was. He killed them all. Those guys, those guys didn't know shushitsu, though. That was yeah, the, the problem. 
You have no, some well, they, uh, right. Ken Shamrocks. Ken when you Shamrocks when you put it in the out on some scale hoist. Right. It was when you, bomba. When, you <laughs> when you put it in the context of uh, two trained individuals in the same style, you know, big time weight comes into it. Weight plays a big part because uh, that's weight age for sure. You wrestling yeah, guys. I mean, they I've been on both. I've been on both sides of it where I'm looking across the mat at this guy, like, dude, this guy's pretty big. And then I've been on the other side where I'm like, Oh, you should have cut some weight. You look tiny. And <laughs> right. I'm right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I've heard age too plays a big factor. Like you're working with somebody 10 years younger than you. Uh, that's like adding a belt onto their, if they're trained, like if you guys are both like, say you're both blue belts and the guy's like 10 years younger than you and like 10 pounds heavier than you, you just, that's like, he might as well have another belt over you. He's just going to, He's going to give you what's going to give you hard time. Yeah. And well, experience plays a factor as well. I mean, the guys are, sure. you know how younger guys are, they want to go all crazy and then they'll just stick their head in your armpit for a guillotine or something. Um, sometimes <laughs> they might have better wind. They got, they got a little bit better mobility. I, I can tell you, dude, th- I just turned 36, man. I hate to say it, but I'm feeling a little bit, you know? And when, forget about it. I've run with you before. That was the one thing you didn't get graced with was long distance running. No, away. I did. That was my I shoes were, were gonna... heavy. That was the problem. My shoes. Yeah, were your shoes were heavy. I thought you were gonna die the last time we ran. You sounded like yeah. you were gonna keel over. I've got eight years on you. That was um, the last time I ran. It's good thing because I don't know. You might you might not be here still with the yeah, that guy. Yeah, nowadays I was getting better honey. runs in my jeans. <laughs> What what are you just out of curiosity? What are you doing for workout these days? Um, a lot of body weight stuff. I built a home gym because, of course, with COVID, you know, everybody's kind of off the grid with the gyms. Um, so I've got some dumbbells. Uh, my lady's dad just installed a pull up bar for us. I saw um, that. Yeah, it's my man Eddie Money for that. Time time to muscle up. You always have to learn the muscle ups. Yeah, well, I was I'm too heavy for that. <laughs> <laughs> my arms was too short i'm built like an alligator was having short arms and short uh, legs but i have a big mouth uh, be, i'd love to see you try <laughs> yeah no david goggins seal team guy i'm not sure if you ever kept up with yeah. any of his stuff he did 4300 pull-ups in a day for a world no, record. i know i know and can like, he break his arm i don't he know broke his like wrist third, or something in the middle third degree burns on his hands yeah yeah um, but he just raves about pull-ups says that there's just one exercise you can do right. to make it pull-ups. So right. I crank out pull-ups. I even get on the bike, um, do a little bit of that action now, try not to fall. They say it's like riding a bike. <laughs> um, but yeah, just a lot of, a lot of uh, body weight movement stuff now that I don't really have like heavy weights. And when was the last time you trained jujitsu? Oh, dude. Oh, you, thanks for bringing that up. Um, <laughs> it, it's been other than like, resting around with my lady who I can barely, take. I told you all he's a little girl. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It's probably been like four or five years, man. Damn. I miss it. I know. You got to get it back, bro. As soon as yeah. they open schools back up, you got to get back. Can't be yeah. messing with that. I right, listen, we're like gonna... 60 or 70 hours a week. Man, I want to <laughs> hear that shit. Me too. And I trained, I was training like six hours a day sometimes. I just didn't sleep. You know, I slept yeah. on the mats in between class. It's all right. Uh, you... you give me no excuse. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back in a few. Hang tight, everybody. <laughs> You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Do you run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. 
Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Welcome back, everybody. If you're just tuning in, we're taking a little trip down memory lane today. Now we all got to hear the struggles and journey that made my little sister, my little brother, Jacob Fox, here with me today, talking about where does entrepreneurship come from? Is it something innate in you? Is it something born in you? And I was thinking of something that our dad said to us one time. We have a, I'm eight years older than him. I have a sister that I'm four years older than, and we had all kind of gotten together at our folks' place maybe like 15 years ago. We were arguing, can't remember, late night drinking, and saying, well, you're this way because of that, and you're this way, this is your fault, that was your fault. My dad just stopped the song. He said, you all came out the way you are. Very little has changed, a couple of knocks and bruises here, made you think one way or the other, but essentially, you are who you came out of the womb as. Do you remember him saying that? Do you remember that night? He's probably said it more than once. Yeah, I do. And it was kind of a tragedy to hear that because I was like, man, I'm going to be this stubborn my whole life. I'm stuck this way. I mean, it was validating for me. I was like, see, you little bitches. <laughs> it's not my fault. <laughs> but that kind of always stuck with me. And I didn't think about it at the time because, I, you know, and we should like kind of talk about how how we both got into uh, sales and business and service. Like I try to think of it all really as service, uh, less so sales. I think of it as the sale as a byproduct of the service but everything is definitely coming down to like building a void seeing somebody's need and taking care of that and and that service and um i like kind of where it, it started from uh, my first show the the executive producer sam Leibowitz interviewed me on my first show like introducing me to to the station and, and his audience and everything and he was asking like where did it start for you and it was something i never even thought of i wasn't like i don't know like where 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 did i first like get that little knack and I just immediately thought of Leroy, uh, our grandfather. And uh and the dude was just a hustler like no other. And he used to send me around. I don't know if he did it with you still, if he was still doing this whenever you were when you were like twelve or thirteen, but when I was like twelve, he would send me door to door all throughout Kemsville, like go knock on these people's doors, tell them this is something that I made. He's like, they'll buy it from you. They'll just give you cash. Just bring me back the cash and anything you don't sell, bring that back. And that did, was it a similar experience for you? Did you have that with him? No, later, more stuff in the business and the Cox TV business that he had. Um, I got yeah. to see a lot of his business dealings, but yeah, man, you talk about an entrepreneur like the gift of gab, like no other, the hard work, yeah. like no other. Um, just the most likable, uh, loving guy you could ever imagine. And every time somebody comes in the store, he says, Hey, good buddy. Right. Um, whether you knew him or not, it was, it was, Hey, good buddy. <laughs> right. And, and you, you know, you pointed out the ability to talk, like that's a huge thing. We'd like, be ability to communicate where like our sister is the quiet one. She kind of sits back and reserved unless you piss her off. Then, <laughs> yeah. then she's got a little, then she has a lot to say, but, uh, but you and I just like, can't shut the fuck up. But that it like got me in trouble a lot. And like when I was young and in school and like would definitely get me into fights. Cause I would like run my mouth to people that I shouldn't. Uh, you know, a little something about that too. And, um, and, but as soon as it was like workforce time, all of a sudden it was, it was an asset. It was a great thing, you know, and, and got, I know for me, it got me pushed front and center. It seems like your trajectory has kind of been the same and I didn't follow it all along, but it seems like just catching the little like bits and pieces of your story was the same. Does, would you agree? Yeah, 100%. It's funny you say that because you, you probably hear the same thing. I hear people like David here just said it a few minutes ago. It's like, you got that gift of gab. People always tell me that you, you're such a good talker. The thing about salespeople and entrepreneurs is that we're good listeners. And they're like, yeah, that sounded so good. Well, the reason it sounded so good is because you told me in your Freudian slips everything that's important to you. And I molded my presentation <laughs> around what's important to you. And that's why it sounded so good. I'm people, I know I talk a lot because people tell me to shut up often they're like can you just so i don't know i got i think i gotta work on the listening part but i'm getting better at that um and you're like doing seminars and and shit like that these days right within your company yeah you i do like some do you do like the gary v keynote 
Yeah, I was do some stuff like that. Was you know charged a whole bunch of money for it. Now they make me do it. I do um, I some <laughs> training for me, man. Training just in general because I've trained a lot yeah. of athletes as well. It's just something. It's so near and dear. Um, you know, I, when I do something, if I was fighting or or wrestling and I hit a peak out, okay, I hit my peak out and I score my points. But when you teach somebody to do something and then you see them execute it, for me, that's just this whole different level of magic that occurs. Um, and he's being able to duplicate these processes and things that were taught to me that I can hand down. It's like Miyagi, you know, um, that for me is better than doing it myself. If I can teach someone to do something and they can go out in the field as a salesperson and execute with it. And then they call me, Hey, you know, I, I did this close or I did this or that. And I, you know, I said this and it worked. It's so much better than doing it myself, man. So training just in general, whether it be salespeople or athletes, um, is just something I'm, it's a, it's just a lifelong love affair for me. So is that something you think is like really important and, and integral to being an entrepreneur? And I mean, certainly as a business owner, you have to be able to do that. If you can't, you know, it's hard to scale if you can't pass on your, you know, at least part of your skills and part of your passion uh, to your team. Um, trying to think of like some of those, I guess it's the same for like the, the solopreneur, you know, these guys are like have, they have their own company and they have, they have no employees. It's just them. And like what they offer, um, I guess that's that's pretty much all they have, right? Is that ability to share and uh, and and get more people to buy their shit, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, entrepreneurs are leaders, man. You, you without having people that trust you, believe in you, and that you care about them, they're not going to follow you. But when you get that buy-in from people, they'll run through a brick wall for you. If if you show them that you'll run through a brick wall for them, um, and yeah, entrepreneurs are aside from having that vision. And having something like you said that they can sell, um, they're leaders, you know. And the the sales aspect of it, nothing nothing happens before a sale is made. If somebody wants to go start a business, somebody sells them a building. You want to do uh, this entrepreneurial web, so somebody had to sell you that, you know, you, your muffs and your cords and all your stuff that you have the backstage there, um, <laughs> and everything about your idea for this podcast started with a sale, and nothing nothing occurs before a sale is made. Sure. I mean, that's why I live in New York, because it's just a hub of commerce. Like you step out on the street and it's like it's happening like right outside your door. And it's fucking exciting every day. <laughs> and I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, the interesting part to me is like you and I've never really had these conversations. So for all, everybody that's listening, this is the first time my brother and I've actually talked about this because we just don't we don't see each other and, and we don't talk much. We send nasty, like perverted uh, text messages and Instagram DMs to each other. That's about it. I was going to say, we're too busy talking about like filthy, dirty, inappropriate yeah, yeah, stuff yeah. to actually talk business and share some ideas, which actually could make us some money and help our businesses, right? I, well, maybe, maybe this will be the beginning of something, but um, how, did, how, did, how did it kind of occur for you? I mean, I know, I know for me what the, what the timeline was like, but when, when was it that you really realized that, because you bounced around a little bit. I mean, you did what you did like some community co college courses, but no degree or anything, right? Did you get a, an associate's degree? No, it's no, funny you say that. My, what, yeah, I, I bailed out from, from junior college quick. It's one of my favorite quotes is from Jim Rohn. He says, formal education will earn you a living, but self-education will earn you a fortune. Right. Um, and 80% of people out there go down some path of work outside of what their degree is in. Um, Elon yeah. Musk even said, I don't give a damn about your degree. Um, right. not to, not to dump on the people. I know you got a master's. I'm like the only one in the family that doesn't have a master's. So yeah, but my, I was just buying time. I was literally just having fun. <laughs> right. But yeah, no, to take it back to Genesis for you, it's funny. I was working for Geico doing customer service. And when you get people on the phones, they had this like little pitch, a little sales pitch that you could run to sell what's called a Jeep up, a Geico personal umbrella policy. Uh, it's just extra liability coverage. And I just, they told us, Hey, if you want to, you can rap at people about these. And I was like, Hey, I'll give it a go. Make sure a little extra money. Um, and I started doing it and then I was approached by somebody over there that was like, Hey, you should get into sales. And of course, like as a young person, all the stigmas around salespeople, I'm yeah, seeing some pop belly guy in the used car lot with his belly hanging out and pastrami hanging out of his mouth. And we think of like the, the timeshare sales guy, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. All those stigmas came through my head. And then, you know, I, I took that leap and the first time that you persuade somebody, um, it's just, it, it, it was just snapped for me. And it was a lot, I just know at this point, I'll never do anything else. I'll be a salesperson, um, and hopefully a leader for life. Yeah. Um, for me, it was, I mean, 
you know, like I said, Sam asked me and I was like, man, I remember my grandfather having me like run around and sell like his wares. And then he was like, well, what about you? When was the, what was the first thing you did like on your own? And I was like, I sold weed in middle school, I sold <laughs> nickel and dime bags. I'm sure you can remember that. Yeah, I, I might have been I might have been a recipient of one or two of those transactions. Yeah, yeah. I think you went I don't on a couple. Marijuana affects your short term memory loss. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure you went on a couple sales calls with me. <laughs> yeah, that was that was my at about ten years sales. old. But but it was funny. Like once I started, especially in restaurants, you know, and I, I started in the back of the house, like washing dishes and stuff, but busting tables as well, and seeing how much money, how much extra loot the the servers made. I was like, man, I want some of that, that cash. Like they stay clean all night. They're not dirty. You know, they get to talk with people when you're in the back you're just like getting knives and tongs and shit thrown at you and you're making like well god i remember it was like six bucks an hour back then um <laughs> seeing seeing that you know that promise of like more money and and that kind of pulled me into it but then like also considering you know pursuing mu music and, and just wanting to be a freelancer because i didn't want to boss you know i didn't want i didn't want uh someone telling me when and where and what to wear and all that shit. It was just like, I want to do my own thing. So, and then it kind of built from there. And once I, once I moved to New York, it was just like a wrap, like right away. It was just like, it, the, the vibe is so strong here to just go after your own thing. And it was kind of a, you know, there was a revival, I think in the late nineties and early two thousands, especially in New York city for like, you know, people doing their own thing. Rents were cheaper back then. So there were a lot of like artisans and people that were doing quality things. And, and it was easier to kind of get off the ground. And now like, yeah, the market got super saturated and, and all of, all of, a lot of that is getting purged right now with, uh, I wanted to ask, what's the situation like where you're at, like in terms of businesses and, uh, stores closing and opening. I mean, here it's like, especially Manhattan, it's like a fire sale. Brooklyn is pretty solid still, but, but in like the Raleigh area, what's, what's happening on the street there. Yeah. So they're, they're opening up, they're back into what they call faith and it's now phase 2.5. Oh, Jesus. Um, I, I'm waiting for the next iteration, man. It's like well, we had we, we had four phases. We did all four of them and half the businesses in New York are still closed. Everybody's yeah. like, well, what the fuck? What's happening next? But yet Walmart's still um, open and Target, you know, <laughs> right. the, the, the monsters, <laughs> they're still open. It's not, um, it's not safe to go in a mom and pop. But yeah, you can drop into Walmart with all 500 other people in there. Right. Um, have you, have there been a lot of closures uh, yeah, in the areas? It's really sad, man. These the, the the smaller mom and pops that need that that funding um, when they're mandated to close, um, yeah. it's it's tough. Yeah, I've seen a lot of that, um, and a lot of it is we're not going to be able to recover from it. You know, from what started in like maybe March um, with these these mandated closures and whatnot, businesses come June, you know, that was a wrap for them, and, and a lot of them right. unfortunately won't won't be back. But yeah, we're still doing the mask thing, um, still doing the social distance thing. Um, restaurants, like you can't sit at bars and whatnot. Um, it's still, you know, very but much. You can, sit in, you, you can sit inside in a restaurant and like limited capacity. Yeah. Up to 10 people. 10 people. Damn. I got a sales team of 11. So no team outing. Sorry. <laughs> well, it saves company money. <laughs> yeah. Right. And you guys, your, your company's like basically remote and, but you're, you're able to do like house calls and stuff like that. Yeah, the, the company gets our guys preset appointments. So they'll go in looking like Sub-Zero from Mortal Kombat. They got the right, mask right. on. They got the little head thing on. Um, so, yeah, I mean, honestly, my team especially, we've flourished through. I mean, just like you, man, entrepreneurs find a way to win. Right. Um, and our, our company has a big database of kind of previous prospects. And I thumbed through that, um, got these people, some folks to call. Um, and they've been making a lot of phone sales as opposed to a lot of the stuff that was live before. Mm -hmm. Um but yeah, they, we just went around it and found a way to win. You know, the, they say the Marshall way is to find a way. The Marshall way is to find a way. Yeah. That's fucking awesome. Great. All right. We're going to pause on that. We're going to take, oh. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to take another break, everybody. I'm going to go clean my face off. We'll be back in just a minute. You're listening to the Entrepreneur Web. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. Do you 
run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. Hi, I'm Graham Dobbin. Join me every Thursday evening for the Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. We speak to people from business, sport, military and politics, all around what makes a great leader. The personal experiences of what's worked and, maybe more importantly, what hasn't worked. So, that's 7 o'clock every Thursday evening. The Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. Listen to real stories of real leaders. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Okay, everybody, welcome back once again, the Entrepreneurial Web. I'm your host, Jeremiah Fox, here with my little bro, Jacob Fox. He's been a sales manager for a bunch of different companies all up and down the East Coast and, and into the, almost the Midwest. Uh, we're talking about what creates an entrepreneur. Where does it come from? Is this something that's created? Is it something that's innate? We pointed out a few things like our family history, our grandfather, our mother's father, who was just like a hardcore hustler, owned his own businesses, owned his own shopping centers, but like was also just like a cool guy hanging out in the street, talked to everybody nonstop. Uh, we also talked about... Um, just our own life experiences, how we got plugged into certain things. And we were like, oh, this is fun. And it just turned out to be sales and service. And we just ran with it. So we both have had like long careers in service and in sales. But then there's also just like the innate part of us where like our father said to us one time, like you, you came out the way you are. You've always been this person. This is who you are. You were like, nothing has really changed. And I think, I know you, I know you're familiar with Gary Vee and Gary Vaynerchuk. I'm not sure how much you like really get into him or listen to him, but he always talks about like, people are like, why do you do this? And he's like, it's just in my DNA. It's just like, and for me, I feel like the, the older I get and the more I get to know myself, it was like, this was absolutely my destiny. This is what it should have been. There's no way I did so many stupid things in a rebellious way to make sure I never ended up in like a desk job or working for some company that I hated. Like I just, uh, to like almost self detriment, I pulled it off, not suggesting this, but it was close, but I just like really did a bunch of crazy, stupid shit to ensure that I would not end up in that situation. What part of, would you say of like your DNA? Do you agree with that? Do you think, think I'm crazy. I mean, I know you think I'm crazy, but like, where does that all lie on, on your radar? Yeah. It's funny. Me and dad were just talking about this last night. Like once you understand the hustle and the benefits of the grind and embrace it, you don't go back. But the people that don't know about it, it's like the best kept. See, I sound stupid. The hard work is the best kept secret out there. Um, But no, for me, man, I'm I'm a late bloomer. It wasn't always this way. Um, when I was in my twenties, you talk about like bouncing around different jobs and whatnot. Um, I just didn't, I didn't pay attention to detail and I didn't have it. And I was maybe like 26 or 27, dude. And I went broke. Um, and you just click, like it started, like, we've got to work hard. We've got to figure something out here to make it happen. And then I started making it happen and got in the home security industry actually with ADT and started selling a bunch and was like, wow. So I just worked like 60 hours and made myself like 2,500 bucks this week. Like, we need to do that again. We need, you know, we need to try that again next week. 
Um, and that's where it kind of came from. I was, there were certain pockets of my life that I would apply hard work, but it was only things that I had interest in prior, not things that I needed to do. And yeah, you talk about that. Why it's come to the point with me now where my, my cup hath runneth over, you know, um, if you, the Simon Sinek book, um, start with why you yeah. know, I've got, I've got enough whys to now where it's just like a, why not, why not be great? You know, why not get after it? Why not be the best? Why not be your best? Um, you know, one day we're going to be on our deathbed, man, looking back and we either made it happen or we didn't all the other bullshit in between doesn't matter. And man, I've got, yeah, a fiance to provide for. We're going to start a family, just bought a house. You know, we got bills and stuff. I know it's crazy, man. Wait till you see my little minions. I Um, I don't do the world a favor. Just (laughs) they're going to be little loud mouth, arrogant pricks, just like their father. Oh boy. Get ready, folks. You think you're a late bloomer? I was like 38. I was older than you are now when it finally clicked with me. So I think you're ahead of the game. I mean, yeah. I talk about fucking off and like having a, <laughs> I mean, I had like 40 different jobs. And the point was, is I was, I was never going to be happy doing that until I set off kind of on my own. And I know you're just, you've got some investments in some small things. We don't have to talk about the Coke trade or any of that. Um, that, that you're, you're just starting to branch out into. <laughs> yeah. So, I was starting some side business for some. Got, got, he, he got back some, with his Brazilian family and, and found some, uh, a good source. <laughs> I was get some shipment of some bomba. I, you know, you was a skinny some guy. Bomba. You don't need that one, but if you need, I can get. <laughs> um, so you're you're at that point where you're you're starting to take those big steps, like working out, you know, outside of the company and starting to do your own things. And it's it's like I'd like to talk about that a little bit more because it's something that a, a bunch of younger people that I connected with on like social media, especially you know, and and on Twitter and and Instagram, and they, you know they talk about it and they ask a lot of questions. And it's like it's not overnight unless you're like unless you're bankrolled. I mean, I still like you know. I own a business, I have a business partner, but in another operation, he's my boss. And then he owns a business, he owns that business, but he's also he also works for another company where he has a boss. And I'm sure his boss has got investments and other things, but also it's just like this, you know, it's never necessarily singular where you just like you either work for somebody or you don't. There's all this wiggle room in between. And you're kind of in the midst of that right now and and at a good age in your life. How does it like what's happening? How does it feel? What are some of the things, what are some of the suggestions you could give to people that are listening that are like on the cusp of that? Maybe. Yeah. You, you hit the nail on the head. You look at like the uh, Damon Johns, the, the founder of FUBU. I think he said it was five years. His first five years was without profit. Um, oh, easily. <laughs> yeah. So the, but the, it's a tragedy. You, you talk about Instagram. That's the thing is that people see these like get rich quick kind of things where this person's Instagram model or they're playing video games and making millions of dollars. It really pains me. The reason that you hear about those stories is because they're so rare. And just the stick-to-itiveness that the the persistence um, of having the micro of how I'm going to manage my minute, hour, day, week, month, and then the macro of this finished product of what you're actually going to end with and having that vision, um, putting those things together is everything and just Day by day, keep getting up, stay out late, get up early, get after it. Um, that's the advice. Now, it's going to be unpopular. Nobody wants to talk about that. But well, people people drive. are, and they're making it like that's you know. I I was really late to the social media game, but that's you know, it's all I talk about. I'm just no fancy shit. The shit does not come overnight. Like that's that's all lies. Sorry guys, doesn't exist. You got to work. You got to grind. You got to bleed. You got to suffer. So I, I ask almost everybody this, especially if they have a martial arts background, how did your training and like wrestling and martial arts prepare you? Because that was like, when I started doing jujitsu, that's when it really clicked. When I was like stuck under the 220 pound Russian dude that was just like crushing me. And I like, I felt like I was going to die, you know? And it was like, if this was a real situation, I would die. And then you said it like the martial arts idea of stick to and like, they were just like, keep coming every day, keep training, keep training, keep working hard, you'll get it. And all of a sudden, 
I was like running circles around a bunch of those people. How did it affect you? I mean, you got you got a lot more time and history with it than me, but I, I like to get everybody's perspective on that. And even you could rope in like just in general working out and training. Like, you know, I talk about dad, you know, like making <laughs> us get up and run. Oh, oh man. Oh, in the, in the wake of his in brutal. the wake of his parts. Yeah. Man, um, but the, his like he started it off just and he didn't talk about it. He didn't talk about like in 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 the dojo, we got like martial arts values. It was like explain. He was just like, get up and run because I fucking said so. Cause I'll kick your ass if you don't run, run faster, run ahead of me. <laughs> like there's a place you know. for that. Though. There's a time and place. Um, but yeah, so the the one of the best American wrestlers ever, Dan Gable, said his famous quote, he said, After wrestling, everything else in life is easy. Oh um, yeah. It's but it's so true. Like you know, I remember doing things, IBA outwork, and I was in Chicago um, a couple years ago as a trainer with ADT, and it was like 8 o'clock at night. I was at a couple of appointments left. It's like 25 degrees, freezing cold. The wind is howling. But in the back of your head, I can always just revert back to, man, Tuesday nights in the gym are tougher than this. Yeah, And once, right. once you have that in your back pocket, it's like it, your threshold for when you quit, when you bail, when, you know, when you paddle in, um, it just goes higher and higher and higher to the point where it's like, come at me, bro. Yeah. That's like what Mario was saying last week too. He was talking about that. Like, you know, you get, you get to that point where you're like, all right, I'm in this guillotine, the air is getting cut off. Maybe I'm done, but maybe not. And yeah. like you said, you just like level up and then you wiggle out, you find a way you relax, like all those things. And and it's the same, you know, it's under physical pressure, same tactics apply uh have you ever read on combat are you familiar with that book uh-uh oh you should check it out it's so great it's a guys like a retired cop and uh also uh i can't remember if he was, what branch of the military he was in but he was like a high up and he did a lot of training and he talks he, he talks about a little bit of everything but his his um his section on square breathing like the the shit that snipers use you know whenever yeah. they're like you know, just like, how do you, how do you calm yourself down? And he's like, it can apply to everything. Like you can get yourself out of so many sticky situations just with like a few seconds of square breathing. And like, he talks about martial arts training and it's like, yeah, if you're under that, you're stuck in there. Like you don't want to like shorten your breath. You want to deepen your breath. And all yeah. of a sudden you get this calm and then you, then you start to see the options. And it's like, if you do that in business too, like shit is crazy. Like you got all these, whatever it is, you own your own business and you're like behind sales are down, whatever you work for somebody and, you just have to relax. You're never going to see uh, the best possible solution if you're in that tense, like crazy state. Like sometimes it's just like time to go and you got to fire. But I feel like when when we're in that state, we're not thinking, you know, kind of like the flow state. It's just like unconscious or subconscious. And it's just like pew, 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 pew. And I feel like I'm killing it then. I'm talking about the opposite end where you're like, you feel like crippled. You can't think. Like yeah, now you got it. to back it down. You, and you got to fight that. It's a conscious decision to like, when I was in the police department, we had something that I learned in the Academy called a tactical breath. And you can just do this on your own. And yeah, it that's what it is. Feel better. Yeah. yeah. Four seconds in, breathe in for four seconds, it. hold it yes. for four seconds and then let it out. And, you know, I tell my salespeople all the time, the two most important things going through your head needs to be confident and relaxed. And the more relaxed you are, it's like people, they struggle with anxiety and depression. Well, they say that anxiety is fear of the future and depression is fear of the past. But neither of those things can affect your present. And you, ha if you want to give yourself the best option, like you're saying, you've got this nine-lane highway and all these different things that you can say and routes you can go. You've got to be in that moment, in the present, relaxed, just doing your thing um, to give yourself the best shot. You know, my, my sales team, they'll, they, I call it a sales hat. They put on their sales hat and they start talking like they're on, in some kind of a call center or something <laughs> right, like that. Right. Dude, people hate that shit. They do. Be yourself, man. Just, Just stay yourself. confident and relaxed. Yeah, that's great. I was going to say that fucking quote. You stole it from me. Motherfucker. Boom. Hashtag right. blessed. We're going to take one more quick break. We'll be back in just a few, everybody, for the last segment. See you in a minute. Woo! Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. curious person always asking questions do you desire to be in the know then join me antonia host of so now you know thursdays at 5 p.m at talkradio.nyc listen in as i attempt to satisfy that curiosity i will be talking with amazing everyday people 
Join the fun. So now you know on Thursdays at 5 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. TalkingAlternative.com Right, everybody, last round, ding, 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 here with my brother, Jacob Fox. We're talking about are entrepreneurs born? Entrepreneurs, is it innate? Is it within you? Is it learned? So we talked about our family upbringing. We talked a lot about our grandfather, our mother's father, who our mother is much like, very talkative, out in the street, super outgoing. We talked about some life experiences that drew us once we started to feel like, oh, this is fun. I enjoy this. We went after it. But we just started to talk about our father <laughs> the last segment. We we owe this dude, we owe him a lot. <laughs> I feel like we got to buy his house like <laughs> after all the shit that we did. <laughs> but we were talking about hard work. And that was something I really feel like our father um, ingrained in us. He's, he's a quiet, analytical guy. And I feel like I kind of got a good amount a fair share of both of our parents where the outgoing kind of, I don't, I don't care kind of nature from our mother who can just like go and do. And our father is like much more calculated and the dude grinds still, he grinds so hard and, and him, especially teaching us through sports when we were young, just like, you've got to work harder. You've got to work harder. Even when we were like, I want to give up, like you got to work harder and how you could have all these components, but without the hard work, where do you end up? Yeah, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Right. It's, it, hard work is the, it's the, the great equalizer. You know, especially in sales, for example, I could have, and I have situations like this where I've got incredibly talented people and they contact, you know, three or five people a week and they sell one of them when I've got mediocre people that will contact 70 people in a week and their conversion rate is much lower, but because they're they're just, you know, getting after Volume. it. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's the rule of large numbers. They make more sales, make more money, and enjoy more success and live a happier life because they work hard. Yeah. I, when, I was, when I was studying music, uh, a, a really common theme was, you know, all of, all of this, like these amazing musicians you see, it's 1%, uh, what did they say? 1% inspiration, 99% perspiration. It was like, you could have a super talented guy come in that didn't have to work hard. And they would be cool for a minute, but if they don't work hard, everybody else is just going to fly right by them. And people will take that any day over like the super talented, flashy guy who probably has a big ego. You know, it's just like nobody cares. Nobody wants that shit. But the guy that's grinding it and it's just like so fucking thankful to have it. And I think gratitude's a big part of it too, right? How do you maintain that hard work if you're not fucking grateful? Like if there's, because sometimes the payoff's not there. Like you said, the guy from Fubu, like didn't make, didn't profit for five years. I've been through that numerous times. You know, you're just like working your ass off and you're just like, where's the fucking money going? You know, there's some things you got to tweak out, especially if you're not buying a franchise. If it's, you know, even if, you know, I've opened other food establishments before, they're all different. They're all slightly different. They're in a different space. They're in a different menu. Each one is an entity unto itself with its own set of problems. you got to hash that out before you really start making money. So what's the payoff? Fucking gratitude. Just like to be glad you're there, alive, that you're doing your thing, that there, there are some people appreciate it. What else? What else gets What else gets you going? Yeah, it's funny you say that. They, I read this article that said that gratitude is the healthiest emotion for your body. Fuck yes. Yeah, when you start your day with gratitude and, and give thanks for all the things you have, man, it's like everything will pan itself out. But if you can wake up and say, man, God, I've got my health, 
I've got, you know, you got a beautiful family, all the things that you do have, your businesses, the relationships, all the interactions that you had. I, I tell this to the other leaders of my company that I drive it with what I call the thank you culture. And anytime my team, thank you for getting after it. You know, thank you for making it happen. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It goes such a long way. Um, and I honestly, genuinely am incredibly thankful to be blessed to be able to lead that team. And when you start with that as your edifice, as a leader, you're in, you're in a good spot. But when you start trying to manage processes and you manage and don't lead um, and you don't put the people ahead of yourself and their needs ahead of your needs, man, as a, as a manager, because that's managing, man, the processes, it's a, it's a slippery slope, man. Yeah, definitely. I like the, the saying that instead of telling people to pick up the rope, grab the rope and show them how to do it, like be a, part of, them, be a part of the team. Um, I think especially during, you know, since March that I was, I was already into like the, the gratitude mindset, especially from, uh, martial arts training and, and the messages we were getting, uh, at Sun Dojo before everybody had to close down. Um, I, I like two weeks into this whole thing, you know, I just started to wake up every day and say, wow, like I remember one day I was kind of like, someone was talking to me and they were like, how's it going? I'm like, man, this shit is crazy. It is just like so bonkers. And, and they were like, but you still have your business, right? And I was like, yeah, I do. I was like, it's nuts. And they were like, yeah, but so many people don't. And I was just like, God damn, you're right. And it was just like, I was starting to wake up like, we're all healthy. Like none of us got sick. Everything was totally fine. We were in like one of the hardest hit fucking areas in the world. And like, especially Brooklyn, it was insane what was happening around here. Everybody was fine. All, all the staffs at all my places, everybody was cool. Like this neighborhood was like in pretty good shape. And it's just like, what the fuck are you complaining for? And so it's, it's, that's gone way up for me since then. And I've really like honed in on that. Um, and I've started to see like the people that are slipping. It's like, that was the first thing to go. You know, it's like, uh, I said it last week with Mario. You saw Mario's quote. That was just like really great from that Forbes interview. Um, and, I, and I mentioned right after I used that, you know, I kind of quoted him at the beginning is the idea. I think it was Simon Sinek who said it, but I can't remember. I, I heard it like a year or two ago, but he said, most business mortalities are the result of suicide, not homicide, where the, it was an internal decision to say like, I'm done. Like, obviously there are cases where you just get wiped out. There's nothing you can do about that. Where, where, you know, it is like a homicide, a business homicide, but most of them he was saying, whoever the person was, was just like, you couldn't talk yourself off the ledge. And I think it starts by losing sight of that gratitude, like that you're, you have this opportunity, like Gary Vee talks about this shit all the time. It's never been easier to start your own business and do your own thing. And you got people out there that are like, fuck, like, why am I not making a bunch of money? Like you said, like the overnight sensations on Instagram is bullshit. That's just, that's, 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 that's got to grind. You got to, got to suffer. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a, it, it's, it, trust me, it's, it's so easy. It drives me crazy. Chael Sonnen said this, that he says, I hate when I hear that people say failure is not an option. Dude, failure is oh. the most readily available option. It's the concept between what's easier and better. And it's always easier to say, oh, woe is me. It's raining outside and make some kind of excuses. You can either make money or excuses, but you can't make both. And <laughs> it's easier to say all that stuff. And that's why you're, individuals are losers but it's better to suck it up fill your thoughts with positivity um and just get out there and make it happen everybody's got problems nobody cares you know yeah, yeah. and you know it's, it's funny you mentioned that because the i think in, in psychology the probably the biggest discovery in the last century is this concept of our thoughts and reality and this manifestation of how you think about something and then it influences real life you can talk about this the book the secret laws of attraction. Um, it's so true. People say seeing is believing. Believing is seeing. These things won't come to fruition without right. the thought happening first. And if you think you're not good, you're not going to make it, it's not going to work out. Lo and behold, don't be shocked when it doesn't. But if you keep telling yourself, because not to get too much into it, but 90% of our thoughts occur in the subconscious. And when you tell yourself like a salesperson, for example, if I say I'm a good salesperson, well, the subconscious doesn't have an opinion. It only accepts what I've said right. as fact. And so what it does, it starts giving you the subconscious, this 90% of your brain that's occupied in the form of untapped potential, it starts working on your behalf. It starts giving you the mannerisms, the behaviors, the actions that are consistent with what you said you were. So if I told myself I'm a good salesperson, it's a lot more than just those words. The subconscious starts rolling for you, you know? 
Dude, the last guy that knocked you out, I think he knocked some fucking sense into your head. Yeah. Never heard you speak like that before. Boom. <laughs> Boom. Send that check. Good. You can send that check for your seminar. Use the podcast <laughs> on Joe Hogan's. You can send out that check to the mail for me. I'll I'll ask him if he'll let you on next time I talk to him. I'll be like, yeah. you, you should you should check him out. You should check this guy out. <laughs> but it's funny you say that because we only got a couple minutes to to finish up. Um, last thought you want to leave with people. Oh man, what we you want to tell that guys? That one there, um, to come to my the seminar, one the one liners. Yes, yeah, what you should do is buy my instructional uh, DVDs. I'm gonna post the link at the bottom of your screen here uh, <laughs> to buy that one uh, to to help me buy my next house. Um, nah, man, we we said it all. The the two things to resonate from from our time together this afternoon. Work hard, get after it. It's it's not easy, but it's better. Um, and man, find something to be thankful for. There's so much. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're blind, deaf, or dumb. We all have something. Dude, I'm five foot two and bald. Like, if I can be thankful, <laughs> get your shit together and be thankful for something. Sorry, I got the looks in the family. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I got the arms, I got yeah, the charm, yeah, yeah. and I'm doing the harm. Check it out. I'm going to see you in March, right? Yeah, for the wedding. Yeah. Have some mats. Yeah, boha. Put I, some I mats in that. Man, I can just get you. Get to, I don't care. Get some mats. Put them in that little gym. <laughs> We're going to, what guys was going to see? Going to see some fun. Any person we fight on the streets. We'll do a Facebook Live. Everybody that watched the show was able to watch that once. Yeah, boha. You can place some bets on, on, on me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, man. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. It's been an honor, man. Hey, love you, bro. Thank you, love everybody. You, love you too. Have some gratitude. Go work hard. We'll see you next week. And this is the Entrepreneur Web. Peace out. <laughs>to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. I'm Graham Dobbin. Join me every Thursday evening for the mind behind leadership here on talkradio.nyc. Military and politics, all around what makes a great leader. The personal experiences of what's worked and maybe more importantly, what hasn't worked. So that's seven o'clock every Thursday evening. The mind behind leadership here on talkradio.nyc. Listen to real stories of real leaders. Hey, all you crazy listeners. Looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at talkingalternative.com. Are you a curious person always asking questions? Do you desire to be in the know? Then join me, Antonia, host of So Now You Know, Thursdays at 5 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. Listen in as I attempt to satisfy that curiosity. I will be talking with amazing everyday people. Join the fun. So now you know on Thursdays at 5 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. 
Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. 